from Immersive Labs, this is Cyber Humanity. Well, hello again all. I'm your host, Chris Pace. Cyber Humanity is the podcast taking cybersecurity personally, trying to get inside the heads of hackers, as well as putting our feet in the shoes of defenders. These podcasts essentially come in two flavours, either us ranting about themes close to the hearts of security types, or us chatting about threat and security stuff from recent weeks. I'm joined in person by three of my very own responsible disclosures, Paul Bentham, Kev Breen, and yes, naughty, naughty <laughs> Max Vetter. Hello. hello. Slightly squiffy, Max Vetter. <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> That's the thing that we do at the start. We say hello to the, the dear listener. To our listener. I see one listener. We are going to begin this week in the world of uh, gaming. I, we've talked about um, gaming stuff quite a bit i feel like on recent on recent episodes haven't we we've talked about we talked about original gangsters oh yeah did we did we have we talked we've about talked it? about the gaming community being targeted we talked about like hackers uh using like uh game hacking is the gateway yeah. drug of becoming and cheating, a, yeah. and, and yeah. cheating yeah and how, uh, how yeah. angry people get about um, how angry <laughs> people get about cheats anyway this is a slightly bigger deal in that ea it's, it's in, in the, the game sp- <laughs> 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 okay, Kev, that was weird, and I never want you to, <laughs> never ever want you to do it again. <laughs> um, but EA Electronic Arts, who don't just do sports games, they also do other things, um, have been hacked. Are we like, uh, so here's another thing that I can't remember if we debated or not. But do we say hacked now anymore, or do we say breached? Apparently, hacking's like we don't want to use it as a pejorative term, so we don't say that anymore. The infosec community got upset about the use of the word hack. Oh, another day with a Y in it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me guess, was there Twitter outrage? There was Twitter outrage, yeah. much Twitter outrage. Um, and then then a night, a night passed, <laughs> and a day passed, and it was no more, so we don't care anymore. But the, but the Register, who of course are you know renowned tech publication, who, and they are no longer using the term... Hacked. Hacking to describe um, to describe hacking was <laughs> <laughs> using some other term. Anyway, basically, data was stolen from EA data to the tune of seven hundred and eighty gigabytes, um, and that data has now found itself for sale, of course, on various underground dark web uh, forums. Uh, so EA have confirmed that there was the data breach, but we didn't have um, much insight into actually what had happened. Um, and now one of the uh, one of those involved uh, in the breach has spoken to a journalist. And so now we have some insight into what actually happened uh, with EA. And this was uh, the Im- entry point here was Slack. Right, Kev? So what actually, what did they do? Yeah, so it turns out, and again, so we've uh, this is coming through the Vice article, and they're saying they've spoken to the hackers. But this is a great article, by the way. Joseph Cox, my favourite writer on Vice. <laughs> we'll make sure that yeah, we credit Joseph Cox because it is a well written. article. It is really and good, and we'll make sure the link goes in the notes so you can all read along. Uh, yeah, but um, so they've spoken to uh, a representative for the hackers, who's given them some background on what they did, like a union representative. <laughs> <laughs> no, like their, P- their, their PR, PR guy. Yeah, I see. Nice. Uh, and what they said was that. Um, there's two key things that they used to to get initial accesses. Uh, one, they gained access to uh, a Slack channel uh, that's operated by EA, but they used um, stolen cookies to do that. 
like when you think about cookies, most people think about like being tracked and privacy and all those things. Uh, but cookies also used as part of authentication. So um, if you can steal somebody's cookie, you can impersonate them. Now you don't get their username, you don't get their password, but you can effectively log in as that person. So session replay. Uh, session hijacking. Session replay. Uh, it's not. Yeah. So yeah. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. I think, uh, <laughs> I, I, think I think you need a I think you need a button here. And now a word from our sponsors. I am pretty sure that there are labs in immersive labs on this. Uh, there are absolutely. So are, you so... can do this in immersive labs. Uh, not against Slack, but oh, we okay. have but... we have stuff on the fundamentals of cookies, session Got hijacking. Um, Did we cover this on a previous podcast where I knew a friend that had played with the app that was available on Android for oh, a while? Fire doing Sheep that. was it? Yes, Fire Sheep. Well, that's what my friend told me anyway. And, <laughs> and you. You could, um, you could, yeah. I mean, it would if you were on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop. This is, I didn't. This feels like it must have been a long time ago because, frankly, this is ridiculous that the security would be so weak. But it, it, it was post Facebook, pre today, um, and you could be in a coffee shop, use the Fire Sheep app. That's what they told me, and you could capture the session cookie for somebody in the coffee shop's Facebook account, and then you would be able to log into their Facebook. Is that account. a man in the middle? Uh, yes. Yeah, so machine in the middle. Uh, it's that kind of attack. Oh, Basically, what you're doing is, uh, in those days, so Facebook was fine, uh, but it was in a world before everything must be HTTPS. Mm. So you could do a, uh, Fireship did a couple of things. So one, it kind of proxied traffic through you and listened. Uh, it was all ca- uh, capable of doing things like downgrade attacks. So you'd force somebody to log in over HTTP. Therefore, grabbing it. Set up a fake Wi-Fi or something like that and make No, no, no. You, you had don't to need just to be on the same Wi-Fi. Just on the same oh, network. Okay. What was ridiculous about it is that you could do it on your mobile phone. You didn't even need one of Kev's silly Raspberry Pi thing with loads of Wi-Fi things. Wi-Fi pineapple. Pineapple, you mean. Yeah. But you didn't need one of those. You Got just your literally... fruits mixed up there. It wasn't yeah. a raspberry. It was a pineapple. <laughs> but it's it's that's the exact same principle that's at play here. So... HSTS. Hang was... on a minute. Slack's vulnerable to no, a... no, 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 no. It's 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 cleverer than that. So HSTS was designed designed so that you can't get it from capturing it in the middle. But those cookies are stored on your device. So what's happened is they've gained access to those cookies, likely through somebody's compromised device, or they've been resold. And they said they bought them. They said they bought them off the dark web. Yeah. So that's probably somebody who works at EA. Uh, their device has been compromised. They've managed to capture all of the cookies from there and they've just sold them on. How would you know that the cookie that you had was relevant to an EA account? Can you see that you in can. its naming? So okay, the, okay. the cookies are tied to specific domains. Right. So you can read the cookie and see like the domain. There's there's other bits of information there as well. If they, I haven't seen what the cookies are, but if they're JWT tokens uh, that are stored in cookies, then you can actually get user IDs, like the timing session. There's a lot of data you can pull out of a so cookie. So let me get this straight then. So somebody compromised the uh, account of an EA employee. They captured the Slack cookie. The Slack cookie was used uh, to uh, replay the session or session hijack, and then somebody could uh, impersonate a um EA employee on their Slack channel. Yes. And then this is where it gets really interesting. Well, I have a rant, but so I'll wait for you to do your interesting bit, but I have a rant. Well, so interest, maybe not interesting, but they then went complete social engineering. So they pretended to be this person, went into the IT support Slack channel and said, I've lost my phone or I've locked myself out. No, Could it, you please Even just- more specific than that in the article, I was uh, basically, I was out last night and I've lost my 
my phone is the is the story is the yarn that they spun yeah so could you please generate me a new token which they did and just sent it over slack and then they use that to then they gain were access a new token for... for the obviously for their two-factor oh. authentication onto the corporate systems right uh, yeah, so it's the, the they requested a, a new MFA token yeah. because they'd lost their phone. So yeah. they reset the MFA, giving them. Uh, that's nice. really good. That is clever. Nice bit of social engineering plus. But yeah, here's then, the rant though, right? Slack. Yes. Slack. Uh, you can't just okay <laughs> now. Is, can is I apl- Slack the rant? Or? Can I apply some context as the person loosely in control of the content here? <laughs> is this just going to be a Slack-related rant? Like you don't like how many Slack messages you get? Or oh something no, like no, that? no. It's more so is it security-related? Yes. Okay, okay. Well, then, then you may continue. Why is it the case that in order to get actual security for Slack, you have to pay more? Oh, we've oh, had this conversation yes. before. Hmm. It doesn't seem 2021 of Slack to say, oh, yeah, you can have multi-factor authentication. Obviously, you have to pay for the top tier. But, you know, you get MFA then. Do you think this is a campaign that we should start? I mean, we haven't really talked about it. I mean... Unless you're about the chief product officer about to turn around and say, well, actually, that's features that we charge for, which I don't yeah. think there are. Uh, we've had this conversation before. You know that we all agree, yes, it's shoddy that, you know, features exist that aren't on, yeah. aren't on. Security features that exist are not on by default. That's like selling you, as I've said before, that's like selling you a car um, and not the, giving you a way to Yeah, it, you wanted the lockable yeah. car. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that'll cost you extra. Um, So, what happened next? They um, uh... well, also session. (laughs) Yes, Paul Paul got his hand up. Yes, Paul. (laughs) Why is the why are the sessions so long? Why? I suppose Uh, we don't know how long the the attack took. This thing was exist like no, I don't know, languishing on the dark web. I am assuming that what happened here was that they bought a whole ton of cookies and just happened to spot that one of them was an ea domain and they were like whoa we've got lucky here yeah just filtered through them. they probably hacked into like get some credits for something as well yeah they well oh, yeah, yeah. It, it looks like they're selling that data on the dark web so they think they're well and the stuff that they accessed was like oh source code wasn't it oh, the frostbite the source code for them. oh my gosh <laughs> The There's, source code for the Frostbite engine, some stuff to do with like how it matchmakers match makes online engine. gaming and stuff like that. Yeah, so like once they've gone through the the session hijacking, the social engineering, they've got MFA. They do start to show a bit more uh, technical knowledge. So they gained access to build environments. They deployed virtual machines. They used those virtual machines uh, to then stage stuff through. I mean, the thing I'd say is like this is seven hundred and eighty gigs worth of data. Like, how did EA not see that leaving the networks? Like, how did you? How do you not have NetFlow? But isn't this the? Isn't this the? Um, now I don't want to drop the wrong company in it, but either Experian or Capital One, where this was happening, massive amounts of massive data amounts were, of were data. being exfiltrated, and they just didn't. They apparently did not see that. They didn't see it. It's a common thing. Like we see, we see like a uh, colonial hundred uh, students. How Snowden. did people? How did people not see hang that? On, when he put it all on one USB stick. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Trigger. We need a trigger button. <laughs> that douchebag. Trigger warning. Trigger warning, <laughs> audience. Du- trigger warning. That douchebag took it out in a Rubik's Key. We all know. <laughs> um, yeah, like NetFlow is designed to to look for the, this kind of anomaly. Um, but NetFlow is expensive and you need the right networking equipment in the right place um, to be able to do it. EA are not poor. 
I think they Fair. could have afforded, you know, the higher grade security if they were, you know, if they were dealing with things like massively valuable intellectual. But property. maybe 780 gig from one device exiting the network isn't that? No, odd. Well, well, especially when you with gaming. gaming, it's massive, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what the greatest thing here is that we've got something to talk about that's not boring ransomware. That's the greatest yeah. part of this uh, this part of the story, isn't it? Like, yeah, I mean, it's not. Which in but itself it, but, is surprising. But we don't know. We, don't, we because they got in right, but they don't have to disclose that they were that they were ransom. They could have been ransomware, um, and because it was affected only internal systems, um, they just aren't saying anything about it because they don't need to. So we don't actually know. They, it's entirely possible that ransomware is involved. They might have detected them at the exfiltration phase and cut them off before they could deploy ransomware. There's still a lot of unknowns that we don't uh, have. And also, we know that the uh, sometimes some I think sometimes I read some of these articles and I think, yeah, but like, of course they'd say that. Of course the attacker's going to say that. It makes it sound like they're like super like elite and they know about- <laughs> in fact this happens all the time right yeah. oh some random bloke off the dark web we did an interview with him and he said that they're hacking comp- like ransomware some leader of a ransomware gang oh yeah we're making gazillions of <laughs> bitcoins you know and all this stuff and you don't really you can't believe any of it but they did provide screenshots of the steps so they obviously are keen to prove um exactly uh exactly how it it happened um anyway i, I EA- love i love on. ea's downplay on this uh, so 780 gigs worth of their source code of their game engines uh and a limited amount of game source code uh was stolen but you have to remember that in the context of the things that people care about when it comes to a data breach because they are able to say with confidence no player data was accessed and we have no reason to believe there is any risk to player privacy that's the stuff that people care most but about didn't uh her they make cyberpunk uh they were oh, red red, uh, red project red project red, project red. um of course. so project red were compromised and they had data stolen mm. and they came out very early on and said yes stuff was stolen no we're not paying the ransom but no employee or customer data was stolen like mm. outright yeah and then a couple of weeks ago there was reports that some of this has started to make its way online and be sold which they said contains some customer or corporate data. So they're kind of U-turning on that. They well, came it's up- hard, isn't it? Because you could, because what you could, and, and this is all like, what intelligence do you have available to, you know, internal security intelligence, if you like, do you have available to you at that moment where you're hacked? You can only look at the nature of the systems and say, without trawling through every single bit of, you know, every single bit of data on it, you can only say this system was for this stuff. Which is why you say, to the best of our knowledge, we don't believe. You don't come out right. and go, nothing happened. Well, I don't know. They seem pretty confident about it, don't they? They did. And turns out not to be true. Danger. Danger. <laughs> Never be confident. <laughs> the hackers will always, always get you. So, okay, then. Shall we move then from EA to AI? Strong switch. Easily. <laughs> easily, as easily as that. You're welcome. Um, it turns out that AI, and I'm, I'm going to quote the headline, AI can now convincingly, please note that word, mimic cybersecurity experts and medical researchers. Study shows AI-generated fake reports fool experts. Now, I'm putting experts in inverted commas because the because the headline of the article hasn't. I don't know how 
I'm already a little bit puzzled by this because how do you decide who an expert is to know whether it fools them or not? I totally buy into this. Though. <laughs> I mean, we've uh, like Kev Breen. We've been deploying that AI for ages. <laughs> well, we just needed to build a bot, don't we? The Brev Keen, the Brev Keen bot. And we can just turn switch it on. Cyber menace researcher. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's fairly easy to do. I mean, yeah. I mean, oh, hello. There's, there's a whole industry of MLAI researchers turning in their graves going like, oh, it's fairly easy, Kev Breen. Uh, I mean, in, like, in terms of what's actually happening here, so this is uh, NLP, uh, the TensorFlow... Neural like, Linguistic <laughs> Programming or Natural, natural language, language Processing. processing. <laughs> Which one? Uh, natural language processing. Because if you applied NLP to NLP, <laughs> then you'd be in trouble. Uh, so, I mean, te- uh, things like TensorFlow, which is an AI toolkit, um, comes with this built into it. So you can just give it all your data, set the AI against it, and it will do all this for you. So you, it's just feeding in the right context. So feeding in uh, every cybersecurity report, and it's going to have this ability. Then you just hook that up to a Twitter bot, and set it off going once a week and have it seed Twitter with fake news. So it would be quite easy to deploy this once you've once you've trained it, which is arguably the hardest part. Well, the suggestion is that other kinds of misinformation have, like, this has already been happening, right? The creation of general misinformation that help, that tarnishes a company reputation or public figure or whatever. Um, but what they've done here that is different it seems um is basically taken articles or tweets or something discussing a vulnerability or an exploit and then have kind of regurgitated that into something else yeah they just like cut and paste it and make it together into something new like my my biggest issue with all of this is like conceptually i get it but like how could it ever be a thing like when I go into Twitter, I don't look at that account that's got zero followers who suddenly started spouting the most deepest technical stuff about APT thirty three and the attack in the planes. You don't today, but is there the potential that as it becomes impossible to process, you know, like for want of a better description, threat intelligence from anywhere else other than by consuming it through a system, is it not possible that this sets up the possibility for the system to be cheated? I don't think so. And the reason I say that is because, and I'll caveat this with any threat intel provider worth their salt, uh, what you do is you weight your sources. So when I'm when I'm assembling threat intelligence, uh, I assign the source a weight and then that weight determines how trustworthy that is. That's just part of TI modeling. So these sources that come out are going to have like really low weight. And as soon as you try to bring a new source in and try to validate it, you're going to see straight through this like really quickly. Hmm. So you're going to lower the weight on it. So it's never going to build enough weight to become a trusted source in there. Now, you might see it pick up a groundswell uh, if it sounds like super scary and info, somebody infosec Twitter retweets the wrong thing. But... I don't see this affecting like actual threat intel providers. It's almost like you would have to build the bot would have to build its reputation first and then before offering before offering misinformation, which I guess is a pretty challenging thing for a machine to be able to do. Yeah, and if you're in it for the long run, then maybe there's a long term goal to be had here. But again, like it's still they love, but they do love getting AI that will replace something, don't they? Like surely AI is better than loads of stuff that we don't do. 
than the stuff that we do do. You yeah, know, of like course. Hu- humans and AI can be nicely partitioned. Well, this is the, it's not just the partitioning, is it? It's the augment, the, you know, the real power in artificial intelligence should be how you augment it with yeah. a human being. That because the human brain works in a very contextualized, you know, dis- decision focused yeah. way, um, and 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 AI and machine learning are able to, um, you know, make judgments for want of a better description based on a massive data set which a human being can't do so that so the you know the 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 truth is that humans losing their jobs because of ai is actually extremely unlikely it's the change in the way that we will work with ai at our disposal that really is the thing that excites people about it the problem is is that i'm not entirely convinced and i think many are not um that we're actually there yet no, and I think those the companies that will do the best and, and cyber companies that will be innovative and actually be able to stop attacks will be the ones that can use the humans yeah. and the AI in the, together in the best way. Because no, no cyber company is going to come along and build AI that will put all the humans out. Because who... The, Put all the humans out, there are, of, out of there are certain There are certain companies suggesting that yeah, you but can they, do that and are suggesting it to such a degree that they have named named products after human jobs um so yeah i i yeah. think there are but again so this is like where you have to ask the question you know where are you between hyperbole and what is um what is actually possible it will be interesting to test some of that ai against human decision making and see what it's capable of but yeah challenge accepted <laughs> i'm not sure we class you as full You're human not actually no a human <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's not a, that, you know, it's we already a, been established. We need a Turing test. It's already for, been established that you don't sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, what we're saying is, I did all that reading about natural language well, it's processing. It's a load of nonsense, and stuff, isn't it? And, and it's all, yeah, and it's all a bit <laughs> of what a, a waste of 15 minutes on the podcast. So we, <laughs> really it would have gone really well in Hackers Good. Should have been in Hackers Good. But we've got too many things in Hackers Good this week. Hold on, dear listener. We'll get I was there. reading an article today where somebody is designing uh, a. Uh, a complete system on a chip wireless access point that's designed to go inside a charger uh, so it's exactly the same size and weight as the uh, apple charger so you could replace them sell them uh, and somebody could be plugging in an entire computer and not realizing it. <gasps> it's really clever stuff he's building. and connecting it to your laptop if you wondered why kev sounded slightly weird then it's because he was kneeling down the floor <laughs> to plug his laptop in while he was telling us that pretty fascinating story so so hang on just so i because i think it's interesting it's when you stop moving your chair about. There we go. So you are saying that you could, hackers could, swap somebody's or sell somebody a replacement charger and inside that charger is actually connecting, as well as powering your laptop, it's also connecting your laptop to something nasty. Yeah, no, we, we kind of see this already. So the OMG cable uh, is oh, a lightning, change, yeah, uh, yeah. lightning cable which takes a... Uh, wireless uh, rubber ducky, so keystroke yeah. injection. Uh, so this takes that like a step further. And it's really interesting. So I, I can't remember who he is, but uh, he's doing the entire design phase. So he's designing the entire system board. So he's, he's basically building a computer himself yeah. uh, on the circuit board, like having it sent away, having the visa boards uh, printed. Uh, and it's all being designed to fit inside a power block so that you, it's indistinguishable from a, right. uh, a USB charger. Um, which is just, it was just really interesting, like the concept, the design, like how that could be used 
for social engineering tax for well uh, for could be used for stalking could be used for stalking for stalking you, yeah uh bridging the air gap mm. um because if somebody takes a laptop and plugs it in uh in they're, the career, office, they're basically adding they it to the home. network aren't they yeah, yeah so yeah. like there's a load of stuff there that is just really interesting and uh, him designing, like watching his design process where he's talking about like scaling everything down to be able to fit it into that form factor mm. is also really interesting. Well, sorry. So m- moving away from that tangent, from <laughs> that massive tangent, um, <laughs> disclosure. Now, this the reason that we're including this is that Kev and I were talking earlier today about the way that um, bug disclosure and vulnerability disclosure programs uh, work. So, I was bored, as I often find myself. <laughs> the long winter evenings just fly by. Uh, so, I decided that the Netgear router uh, that was sat on my shelf uh, needed some... I think it sounds like you're making fun of Americans. My Netgear router that was sat on my shelf uh, needed some uh, testing. And I wanted to do more like OT and firmware analysis stuff anyway. So pulled it to pieces, did some stuff, found a couple of vulnerabilities, and then thought, what should I do now? Well, the responsible thing is to disclose. So went looking for how to disclose, uh, and Netgear kindly pointed me towards their bug crowd uh, and says, like, all vulnerabilities go through here. And if it's on any of their flagship devices, uh, then I go on to the, you can get money for it. If it's on any other of their devices, I go to the, we'll give you points for it. Um, and then I have to sign an agreement that says, uh, under no circumstances will I ever make public or disclose, uh, any of the details around the vulnerabilities I've discovered. That was over a month ago. Netgear still haven't responded to me. So I've discovered vulnerabilities in, uh, hardware that's in people's homes and I'm being ignored and there's no recourse. I can't, I can't do the whole 16, 90 day disclosure and make it public because, the mere act of me reporting it through their system, I sign a thing to say I won't ever do that. And that was the thing that I found interesting because to me, as a as a journalist, the headline the headline feels like wanna disclose a vulnerability, sign the NDA first. I'm not sure that, yeah, that that really equals transparency. No, that is absolutely ridiculous. Like that, like Netgear can go do one. Um, like they, they, that's literally. I hope, I hope they all get hacked. Um, because uh, so, attack, attacked, cyber attack. Sorry, attacked. Yeah, got to be, you know, got to be reasonable. Don't want to, don't want to annoy anyone. Yeah, Netgear. Because um, that they're basically that's against all normal. Systems processes because cause they're just locking you in, and they're not releasing, not allowing you to talk about it. Now, what they're doing is they're ho- they're one might argue they're holding you ransom to your potential reward, and that's why it feels to me like it's in injunction or NDA territory because it's basically saying you will um, you will remove your potential to be paid or in this case we're kept to earn very important points in bug <laughs> um, which is why we're having this conversation because he probably doesn't care that much but the but the fact is that it is basically using a lever to attempt to put and i have had this rant before to put the vendor in control of the narrative you know in this case it's something actually fairly like 
low key. I think that I think that the um the routers themselves are out of um support, aren't uh, they? And... One of them is, but one of them's their okay, flagship right. device, and one is still like all three of them are still for sale on Amazon. Oh, okay, and one but, of them is their flagship. But but the point but the point being the point being that Kev is not going to was not lined up for a cash reward for this. No. He was only lined up for getting points from Bug Crowd, so he probably doesn't care as much. But this this situation where you know your your submission of a vulnerability through a program like this hands control to the vendor because it's the vendor's program whereas actually it should be the community's program and i guess that's the point that i guess well, that's, that's the point that we're trying to make yeah and that, well they're just playing they're playing the game of oh well we'll lock you in so you can't like they let's say they don't want to they don't want to do anything about vulnerabilities they don't care about their users being hacked so they'll just let you sign the nda not, uh, not allegedly uh, sorry uh, sorry allegedly. i mean it's important <laughs> allegedly, <laughs> I mean, we... allegedly, allegedly but but it's the whole point right that we're on this podcast is let's stop getting people hacked and companies hacked and everything else and they're just being like oh i got i got a way around this we just don't have to do anything if we get them to sign, sign an nda first and that's the thing for me the, the thing for me is that it's been over a month and all I've had is the default reply from somebody at Bug Crowd running their managed service for them. Your call is important to us, please. No, that's Secu- exactly- no, security is important to us. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what's happened. And like it was eighteen days ago I said anything? And I got that standard response back of they haven't looked yet. Do you want to mention that we've mentioned them on the podcast? And then <laughs> Then they might get. Well, no, because when this episode is published, you can share the link with them and say, you know, that disclosure thing. I really decided that I didn't care about it, and I thought it was more important that people knew that you were putting this clause in your bug bounty program. Probably going to talk to a lawyer before I do that. Just make sure I'm on the (laughs) right side of this NDA. Um, That's why I'm being very clear about not saying anything. That immersive lab stop. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's like. I wouldn't. I wouldn't care. I, I don't care about the money. That's not what I. That's not why I reported it. I don't care about being able to write blog posts and labs. Although that is fun and like there's some benefit there. What I care most about is that they're not fixing the thing that I've told them exactly where it is. And well, how they're to fix not it. fixing the thing that you've told them to fix, but also giving themselves a way of protecting themselves yeah. against not doing anything yeah. by tying you into this legalese that's part of the that's part of the disclosure program. Last time I checked, these disclosure programs were supposed to incentivize security researchers to share things they found with um, companies to help keep their products safe. I don't think that that statement, um, and I'll read it out again to to clarify. This program does not allow dis- does not allow disclosure. You may not release information about vulnerabilities found in this program to the public. Well, what's interesting about that language is that in in Kev's context, he didn't he didn't find a vulnerability as a result of the program. He was looking at the product and that this was the way that he had to submit it. Yeah. So it's almost, that's my point. My point is the minute he decided he want to, wanted to submit a vulnerability to Netgear, he was basically signing their NDA and that annoys me. And, yeah, and you can tell that company has the absolutely wrong idea of security, mm. which is it's a legal thing that we probably have to say we do because the board has asked, uh, we've got to get hacked. So we'll do this rather than, what can we do to secure our devices? And, you know, 
so someone who's spending their own time probably on the weekend or or at two in the morning <laughs> to help a company with the, this is that's well, the thing to help like, the it's to help the users to help of that the user really, the company yeah. now i mean to be fair to netgear like they do ship um patches uh where appropriate um they do seem like no, at least no, no, that's no, no, why being fair to, to this is your this is your time Kev. <laughs> you could have been spent writing labs <laughs> I think also there's a clever way there probably is some clever way and kev was talking about you know earlier on well how can i use twitter to kind of find a way to find a way to nudge them that, that yeah. maybe doesn't disclose the disclosure but discloses the fact that you have made a disclosure and says look you know because to, because that is not um like information about vulnerabilities well asking them if you plan to respond is not releasing information about vulnerabilities yeah. it's asking them if they plan to respond you just happen to be asking them to your thousands of twitter followers so hey at netgear yeah. any chance you could look at the p1 the p1 or the p3 please it's been over a month yeah exactly 100 <laughs> I, I think that's totally fair why not why not call out companies that aren't like you, you have spent your own time to help that company out and i know you said uh, the users you know what i might do i might actually start with a screenshot to your followers of that statement and say hey any other security researchers yeah. think this is a bit weird and see what you get yeah, i mean like there's there's two things i want to say uh so first there is a place for private bug bounties um like i think that if you're an organization and you have to accept risk and you've got users and you have to balance like how quickly then private bug bounty programs are a way of controlling that i think for something like this i think like where you're trying to get researchers and you're trying to get basically free vulnerability scans from them, you have to allow some openness. Now, the, the really interesting thing I saw the other day was somebody, and I think it was in the US, was saying bug bounty hunting is a gig economy. Mm, and we've is. just seen a lot of legislation about uh, how uh, like uh, drivers and uh, delivery drivers and how actually they need to be treated as employees yeah, because yeah. they're still doing stuff. And the, the, some of the stuff they were saying is, if you've got two researchers who put in 30 hours, it's race the first. So mm. the first person to report gets the reward. But that person who may have missed it by hours or days still invested all of that time on your behalf yeah. for nothing. So should companies be... And it's a real... I, I, yeah, there's a lot of stuff to unpack there in the whole gig economy. And I don't know what's really? going to come so down I, on. So I don't think... I, I So the UK thing is IR35, isn't it? I don't think that really... This is sort of a very different use. That feels like a very different use case well, to I, me. I think the problem with things like Uber is that they don't treat those those employees, which are now, they now are now employees, very well. But I do wonder if something like HackerOne or something where something they'll have the same thing. Where I've been working, some some person's been working for HackerOne for this many years. They actually don't get treated very well. Well, You you don't work for HackerOne. We don't. You you get paid by the. You get paid by the same thing that by proxy, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Same thing with Uber. Doesn't have have drivers. They just facilitate the app to. You know, it's the same argument, really. Except that they lost that argument and they now have to treat them as employees. So the bug bounty programs like HackerOne have to go. Actually, you are an employee in that same gig economy style. Mm. So do we have to give them holiday pay for bug bounty hunters? Like. 
Yeah, might, it, that, it might, was, that might come up. It was just an interesting thing that I'd never even considered applying to the bug uh, the bug hunting trade. I'm be- and I I feel like every time we have one of these conversations, <laughs> I'm the person, and it should be Paul, but I'm the person who always ends up saying, "Well, there needs to be some kind of intervention. There needs to be some sort of regulation of this industry. It's you know, <laughs> it's the wild west." Um, but it does feel a little bit like on one hand you've got Apple paying six figure, you know, six figure sums for like easy peasy you know easy peasy <laughs> vulnerabilities and then on the other hand you've got you know in this case netgear turning around and saying you don't even get to tell your twitter followers that you found it which is ridiculous but people this is why people can choose isn't it like apple of marketing themselves as a security first privacy first platform and you can choose to have that if you want to have that security and if netgear are doing it this way then they can choose to people can choose to avoid them but our our listeners in the u.s will say that that clause denies Kev his right to free speech. And that's a bigger deal, isn't it? Not just does does Netgear get to decide. Netgear shouldn't get to decide. Netgear didn't discover the vulnerability. Kev did. But, well, perhaps. But Kev didn't have to research Netgear, did he? <laughs> no, but, no, but Net- if I accidentally found it, do I not have a right to disclose but that? You, but you, well, I'm... According to Netgear, you didn't. I don't know why I've ended up in the defensive <laughs> position. Um, but it's um, good counterpoint. I like I know, it. But, Carry on. But right, if you presumably that is US, uh, that's legal in US. So mm. free speech amendment doesn't apply. Or they've <laughs> yes. managed to get around it somehow. And you decided to hack Netgear. You should check the T's and C's of hacking Netgear gear before you did it. Uh, but I, I, I think can't I disagree. disagree with that. Can't yeah, but with I that, can't can disagree. But I think more importantly, oh, you're really? doing How them. Did I win that. That's I think more importantly, you're doing them a favour, though. Yeah. that's the point. And yeah, of course. But uh, why? Right. Here's the thing. Right. I love bug bounty programs. Why? Because you get for practically free a load of QA effort on your product. Yes. It's amazing, right? And I, if I was a vendor that somebody disclosed a vulnerability i would love them forever i would ask them to find more because the idea of somebody responsibly disclosing it to me massively out over uh ways the any all the risk that some nefarious so-and-so would do it the I, same and extract i want to hook that you're absolutely right and how do you incentivize them to keep coming back and not publish it by paying them yeah but don't Let criticize don't pay yeah, them. No, but, well, well, well yes of course yeah. but here's the point what does that say about Netgear? Well, that, that's, well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so if I'm the CEO... But I don't know why we're all angry about it and going down regulations. Don't buy Netgear gear. No, it, but, they obviously don't yeah, take some security people, seriously. People do, right? And people don't listen. But most of their users won't listen to this podcast. What? We're a bit niche. Are, uh, yeah, Netgear aren't <laughs> so, hey, so, so big in Norway. listeners. <laughs> <laughs> but the important thing is, if, if I'm the CEO of Netgear... Hey, hey and, you both. And and I then get hacked, and I come out and go, oh well, well we've been doing everything we can to. And then we take Kev comes along and goes, oh, by the way, yeah, I've been telling you about the security vulnerability for the last three years. And where are they going to? Where's that C- CEO? Thanks, you're going to lose your job, in my opinion. Like if they come out and say, oh yeah, we've done everything we can about cybersecurity, and they'd still get hacked, and and they're dealing with that with bug bounty. Um, with people that find vulnerabilities, they they have nowhere to go. I think it's a big, I think it's the bigger picture for me. It's the bigger picture. And it is the idea that, and it's interesting because it's the position you assumed right from the outset. It's the company. It's the product that is in, in control of what, how vulnerabilities are disclosed and when. And I fundamentally 
think that that is wrong. If somebody is, a, you know, is trying to disclose a vulnerability, not just because so it can be fixed, but to raise awareness of Slack security in a particular, you know, in a particular company, that security researcher should have the right to do that, in my view. Obviously, I was listening to the first part of this. <laughs> but to clarify, uh, Netgear in their T's and C's won't pay you a bounty or are actually preventing you from disclosing it. Both, Both. of those things. Both of those things. What happens if you disclose it? Uh, you don't get breaching, your points. Breaching his NDA. Yeah, but you I'm, don't get your points. Well, no, no, no. So I'm breaching my NDA. And but that which you signed a, up to. You have, to. you have to sign up before you know what recourse and they will also or... try to they will try to sue you oh. yeah so the, there is a, there's a whole legal terms and conditions which say that they will come well, after me if i attempt to if i breach so we that. should just publish this and talk about it on a podcast and then everybody will know not to do bug bounty on netgear <laughs> well they might already know that now uh, i mean to, <laughs> uh, did, uh, you google it? This, did you google this, this it before really you, did you google it before you um started hacking the netgear gear i was aware they had a bug bounty program uh, I knew it was with Bug Crowd. Um, I then started the research. I discovered something. I went to submit, and that's the point where I saw the tick the box to agree to the terms and conditions. What are these terms and conditions? Yeah. Click. You cannot report. You didn't read them. I did. You read them well, because conditions. he because it because it, there may be an info set. Well, not yeah, not amazing. only that. Don't forget that he want we want to sh- we um, <laughs> I <laughs> we want to share that with our you know with. Yeah. Uh, with our market, with our customers, with our... I would, you know. have, just cl- I would have clicked. Yeah. <laughs> Max would have clicked through and uh, disclosed. Maybe you should have just done that. Um, well, then you're sort of testing, then you're kind of stress testing the nature of the NDA, aren't you? <laughs> uh, I, that's the point I consult the legal team and ask their opinion before just doing uh, it. It's all well and good, isn't it? I get my reward and then as soon as it gets a bit tweaky, you need Alice. <laughs> <laughs> but more, more importantly, the hacker will not go down the bug Bounty program, but yeah, the hacker will expect put it on, put all the users' <laughs> details on the dark web, yeah, and then and then they'll too be late like, then, oh, isn't it? Too oh, late okay. then. Okay. Oh, this Kev Breen. Anyway, oh, what vulnerability? Have we even talked about the bloody vulnerability? I can't. I'm under NDA. No, you can't talk about it. <laughs> Have you not been listening? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Kind of the whole point. More, impo- more importantly, if from listening to the podcast, a hacker goes and finds these vulnerabilities and exploits oh, it. Oh, oh no! Oh, I mean, <laughs> what? Awkward. Uh, are we, yeah, Alice. <laughs> are we in trouble then? What I will say is these are not. They're not pre-auth. At least not all of them are pre-auth. Uh, which and we wouldn't be in trouble because we wouldn't be in trouble because Kev has disclosed these vulnerabilities to Netgear responsibly. Responsibly, yeah. it is their responsibility now, understanding the nature of those vulnerabilities, to address them. And some of them are pre-off because he said not all of them are. Because none of them are upside down, we're saying that some of them are. But one, one of them is It's pre-off. a pre-off vulnerability, which is a pretty serious one, Kevin. But the it's pre-off, but the effect you can have isn't, isn't it, as Kev, critical. Kev, it sounds a little bit like you're disclosing the vulnerability. Is that it? On that? That was good. I mean, we missed the point of what we were going to talk about on the podcast, which was scissor. Oh, scissor. <laughs> Sissa. Hang on, what? Sissa. For, for clarity. Actually, can we play it? 
for, down, the, down the microphone. <laughs> for clarity, we could probably edit it in later, couldn't we? But for clarity, CISA have tweeted. Who's tweeted? <laughs> CISA, the organisation previously, previously known as CISA. That's what they're called. Have tweeted to say that it's CISA. And they've tweeted, in quite, a, they've tweeted in quite a snippy... Was it ironic? Of, no. Like it's American. Has anybody seen the shooter Doofy Doofy Poop? How to pronounce Chateauneuf de Pap? There's a great YouTube video about how to Google it. It's shooter Noofy Doofy Poofy. Shooter Noofy con Poopy. Anyway, anyway, so now I'm saying CISA. Hang on. It's not CISA. Well, they've said that it is. I don't care. I am obliged. I am also pronounce aluminum and router and buoy. But it's their own name. That's like me saying to you, I'm going to call you Paul. No, no, it's not a name. Paul. It's Paul. Well, it's definitely a noun. (laughs) No, it's an abbreviation. It's C-I-S-A. It stands for something and it's C. C. A B C. C (laughs) Sir. How hard could it be? It's okay, called English. I'm, I'm going to move us. I'm, I'm going to try and move us along from this. As entertaining as this is, the, can, we, the can point I call was, it kisser? You can call it whatever the. No, but I'm not allowed to call it that. Because you just told me how to pronounce it. I didn't tell you how to pronounce it. Yeah, you did. Sisser did. Sisser did. Sisser. Anyway, yes, Kev, CISA have launched their own CISA. bounty program <laughs> for government websites and applications. Is there anything cool or interesting about CISA's new bug CISA. bounty program? Uh, I mean, they've partnered with Bug Crowd, who we've established. Made, so this this could this could go private. <laughs> um, yeah. So it. I, what I really like, so there's not a lot of detail in there. There's um, lots of things saying that people should go and start setting these things up. So it's putting the onus on each of the individual branches to set up their own vulnerability oh, yeah. I, I to, uh, yeah. bounty program. Yeah. Um, but I love and the so fact that they're just copying it. NCSE, you know. I mean, I hate to be all British about it. <laughs> NCSE have been doing bug, uh, Hacker One for ages. I mean, to be fair, the, the US government have done this before. So they've got the Hack the Satellite. They've allowed us, uh, they've opened up the ability to hack uh, into uh, government things. Now, the one thing I would say is those original ones were restricted to U.S. citizens only. I'd be interested to see whether they accept mm. non-U.S. citizens as part of that program. They probably have a no-fly list. Have you read, <laughs> have you read the terms and conditions? Uh, I haven't because they haven't officially well, launched the program yet. read terms and conditions for wasting your time hacking things. <laughs> okay, moving us along because that's enough of that. It's, as we come to a close, it's time for the return of Hackers. We had a, a special episode last week. It's time for the return of Hackers Could. There's a, it's a couple of good ones this week, champs. There's a couple of good ones. So I'm going to start with... Let's start with Peloton. I, I was scared. All this. right, Peloton. I own a Peloton, so I was a little do bit you? concerned. I do. Does, um, security vulnerability security vulnerabilities no. mean hackers could access popular exercise bikes and treadmills which when i first read this i was like i own a peloton Ooh. like how how worried do and you, i need and to you, be and you're worried because you're like oh, this is a connected thing i would totally like it's, it's connected, connected to, to my wi-fi it's, it's on connected the to my wi-fi you know that means that it is it's it's opened itself up yeah. You know, two, two vulnerabilities. So I, I'm scared. Yeah. So I'm like, I need yeah. to know the details. I can see, Kev, I can see you're worried. Yeah. So uh, so the way this works is the hacker gets a USB stick. Oh, uh, <laughs> they configure the USB stick to do some stuff. They break into my house. 
They walk past the laptops, the phones, the PlayStations. The TV, the your TV, car keys. The car the, keys. The half-hacked Netgear router. <laughs> half-hacked Netgear router. <laughs> they go to my Peloton. They find the USB port. And they Where f- is the USB port? I have no idea. <laughs> They can't give that information in the article, Paul. Every Tom, Dick and Harry would be breaking into people's houses and plugging USB sticks into Pelotons. It would be chaos. In my head, it's in the seat. I don't know why. (laughs) So now they plug this USB stick in, they can get photos of the room. Huh? The room they're stood in. <laughs> yeah. Hang on. Is that wow. all it can do? That, that's one of the things they say. Like, they say that they can now spy on you and see what you're doing in your room. Yeah, they can record like, you They can just put home. a camera in the room. <laughs> put a camera in the window. Oh. Yeah, it's so... Why weird. are these stories always so fucking disappointing? They patched it. Don't ruin our fun. Um, but it's fine because... Uh, there are public Peloton bikes, apparently. Uh, are there? Is that the, this is how tenuous <laughs> the article has got? Yeah, I mean, Sound who's like wiping that down afterwards? So, like, business model they're going for is it just leave it in the public? Yeah, <laughs> for any rando, like, for any rando person, really, really get, expensive. Yeah, I, I, I wheel mine out every Friday for anybody to just jump on. How many <laughs> other people are using Joe Biden's? Hopefully, not many. Uh, now, I will say, like, I was interested when I saw this. Because it said there's an an interactive map. Oh, you had a good time with this. So I went to look at the interactive map, and there's actually a Peloton listed as being public in Bristol. It's in the Peloton shop. (laughs) (laughs) Get in there. Get that that USB in there, because I bet you any money, the one that's in the shop has not been patched. (laughs) Okay, and last of all, hackers could... Put cryptocurrency miners on your PC. Or you could just let an antivirus company do it for you. Kev. Uh, So this one hit the news a couple of weeks ago. um, And uh, Norton, apparently not quite so happy with just being an antivirus, uh, also decided they wanted to branch out. And we know know that most attackers seem to like deploying uh, cryptocurrency. So Norton decided that's a business model they want to get into. So they built in a crypto mining uh, element to their antivirus. This is genius. This is genius. And you know why it's genius? Because it covers the fact that every antivirus product bings your machine grinding to a halt. (laughs) So now when your machine comes grinding to a halt, you'll say, oh, it's not the antivirus. I'm mining (laughs) cryptocurrency. So it's all fine. And in fact, didn't you say it's not even mining? What is it doing? It it is mining, but it's pool mining. Uh, which means that, um, that, so in the world of crypto, like you have to uh, solve a problem. And what you do is you do pool mining. So you're all trying different parts of the problem. And if one person gets it, you will benefit from it. So it's just a way of increasing uh, the probability of finding a block. Uh, so that's what this seems to be doing. Now, the interesting thing is, uh, like whose pool is it? Are they in the pool? So, mm. a, so a Norton now yeah. going will take off ten percent of bet. that pool. Yeah, that's a big old uh, that's a big old botnet they got there, it, isn't it? It really is. Uh, for want of a sorry, <laughs> for want of a better description. Uh, I mean, so I think Norton Norton said we see people disabling antivirus so they can mine the crypto. We've taken that away from them. They don't need to disable <laughs> it anymore. They can just do both. I don't. Not flipping like. <laughs> 
I literally don't understand. No, this. it's so weird. What? So random. <laughs> what, magi- what magical product meeting happened? We went, hey, got an idea. We've got this problem with crypto miners, which are obviously 0.0001% of our customer base. They're disabling <laughs> our, crypt- our um, AV software. So, oh, got an idea. Why don't we add crypto mining to it? Well, aren't we an AV company? No, 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 no. We're an agent that's installed with root exactly. access it's privileges. It's already there, isn't it? Well, hang on. I've got a better idea. Why don't we turn it into a botnet? Lots <laughs> more revenue available for that if we use it on the darknet. So someone on the executive have gone, I've heard about this. <laughs> 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 cryptocurrency. Can we it. get in on this? That's where it came we from. We do control and then, millions of computers. And then a product manager has taken it and he has fucking <laughs> run with it. <laughs> Surely, surely, I mean, this, surely this it is illegal. A, it, I mean, the UX team have done well, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, it looks super <laughs> it does pretty. Look nice. It looks much prettier than the Norton antivirus interface, that's for sure. I feel like yeah. a lot of investment's gone into this. Full disclosure, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Pace, ex Sophos employee. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, uh, antivirus agents grind machines sure, to a halt. Surely <laughs> they'll get sued for this. I, I, I don't understand. <laughs> hey, who's going to sue them? Any of their users? <laughs> Well, I'm guessing sure it's opt-in. You have to opt-in, mate. No. So let's, assume, let's assume that it's on by default because oh, then yeah. it really is malware. So well, the on, thing for me the... is well, there's a whole world of pain against cryptocurrency right now because of the damage it's doing to the environment. So a Norton, by doing this, coming out and saying, we don't care about the environment. Is that literally what they're saying now? say... Oh, that's very, oh, that's, that's deep. That's a bit, that's <laughs> a bit <laughs> Bristol. Isn't it? It's struggling. It's struggling to balance their corporate social responsibility with their <laughs> with with their keenness to mine cryptocurrency and make on, money on, off their on, customers. Yeah. But they are they are thinking about moving to proof of stake, though, aren't they? So that should uh, yes. be efficient. Um, Ethereum, Ethereum. Here's the uh, other kind of strange thing, right? So, isn't the kind of widely distributed calculating algorithm? This is a problem. I mean, I used to do SETI at home. That was back in the day. Yep. Isn't there like ones for doing the genome and finding yeah. cures? Yeah, yeah. I'm doing one on um on my on my phone. It does it on my phone in the cloud and. It's yeah, to I'm, do I'm, with I'm doing, COVID. Yeah, right. COVID I've research. got Norton. I'm doing one for, uh, <laughs> to, make, to make money. Just find your password. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, that would. This seems a bit of an own goal. I mean, they've got some spare cycles on clients' computers that we're going to use it. They surely at least Make could have offered, like, hey, for- would you like to try and, like, solve world hunger, find the, yeah. find the um, gene sequence for AIDS, or mine some crypto? What would they choose? But it's beyond, beyond me <laughs> that they would u- use people's CPUs when people complain about, like, not, um, antivirus slowing your computer down already, and they go, yeah, I know it slows you computer down, but we're just going to also... But now we're offsetting that by saying, you've made $3. So, but I assume they don't give that to the customers. Well, it's pool mining, isn't it? So they mu- I don't know who controls the pool or how they're splitting it. Well, presumably Norton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's the technicals here, Kev? Are there, is it actually part of Norton? Is it a thing you turn on in antivirus or is it a separate app? I honestly don't know. I haven't looked that much into it. Um it's so ridiculous. It doesn't feel like a real story. <laughs> and had it come from anybody but the, so I'm reading this on the BBC. It's on the BBC yeah. Had it come from anybody but them, I wouldn't have put much stock in it. But well, and it's got screenshots. I mean, like Norton <laughs> have provided Paul, screenshots. Paul, can I just remind you that screenshots of a product interface do hey. not equal yeah. an actual product? <laughs> I don't throw shade at me here, Chris. <laughs> I can see this coming a mile off. <laughs> Although they are always very entertaining, but not indicative of actual product features. All right. Uh, so if they're running their own crypto miner, 
have they now disabled all of their scanning engines from finding legitimate crypto miners no, they've, installed? They, they've exempted their own crypto miner almost certainly um, and are probably still detecting well this is the perfect others. then because now if you haven't enabled it i just disguise my crypto miner as yours <laughs> oh, <laughs> no no no, no hackers listen to that word ignore that <laughs> <laughs> And on that slightly dubious bombshell, we must bring things to a close. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do subscribe, rate and comment wherever you get your audio content. And if you want to know more about Immersive Labs, you can find us at ImmersiveLabs.com or follow us on Twitter at Immersive Labs. Until next time, from all of us, goodbye. 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 Goodbye.